0: there, welcome back to another video slash episode of the James Red Podcast. Today I'm here with somebody who I find to be quite interesting. I've kept up with him uh, for a while now, and so I'm very excited to speak to him. His name is Pablo Strong. He's a photographer and YouTube creator uh, who wanders the streets uh, in the UK, and he's—obviously this is interesting to me. I've had my eye on him for a while, like I said, so I'm excited to talk about all of his projects— specifically his Streets of London project, uh, but which whatever other directions we decide to go is perfectly fine with me. And I'm always happy to have someone with an English accent on my channel. I, I try to pull that off as much as humanly possible. But I will link below to his things. He's a very interesting creator. Thank you for your time, Pablo. And how's your day going? It's going
1: very well, thank you. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's lovely, lovely warm summer day here.
0: I love it. I love it. I, I understand that the weather can be a little bit bipolar in the UK sometimes.
1: It can. I went on, a, on an epic dog walk earlier today and I got completely soaked and now I'm in the conservatory and I can barely open my eyes because it's so
0: sunny. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I prefer my dog walks to be epic. Yeah, it was biblical. <laughs> yeah, okay, very good. Biblical, even better. <laughs> so I'm curious, Uh, what What creative pursuits are you up to on a daily basis, in your words? Um, Well,
1: it's an interesting question, really, because I'm kind of known on YouTube for um, photography and for video work. Um, My documentary series uh, across London, Streets of London, Um, and also my street photography work. But um, I'm also a full-time opera singer. And I've touched on this a bit in my videos. Um, but to a large extent, I've kind of kept those two things kind of separate um, just to not kind of confuse people. But also it's nice for me to have completely different creative pursuits that I do that are completely separate so that you know I don't have to think about one the whole time. I don't have to think about the other. Mm. And those so, are very um,
0: separate creative pursuits for sure.
1: Kind of, yeah. Although everything... Uh, everything um, ties together in you know in a way i mean
0: i always say that one I, every craft inspires another in some way or another I oh definitely agree yeah
1: and, and i take so much pleasure in both um and uh i, I uh, yeah so i have a full-time opera singing job in central london uh, at um place called the english national opera which is it's a big company in the uk for opera um and it's uh, it's the biggest theater i think in london it's two two and a half thousand seats so i'm there every night singing to an audience um which is it's kind of bizarre sometimes when i when i'm walking around the streets taking photographs and talking to people and then i think like in the evening i'm going to be doing this completely different thing um but i love having that kind of contrast that sounds and, very
0: um, uh, very like a very interesting way to live your creative life <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah. So what? So what got you into opera singing?
1: Um. Well, uh, it's a very long story, really. Um, essentially, it, in a nutshell, I I did I I sang opera when I was a boy when I was a, a young boy. Um, there are sometimes children's roles uh, in shows, and I got some of those, and it just snowballed from there. And then I kept singing through university um, and then, yeah, went to, yeah, just got into the industry after that, really. Mm. So it's always been, um, it's always been around.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So, um, so are you more of a, a, a tenor or a soprano or what, a bass? I'm a tenor, yeah. Tenor. <laughs> okay, very good. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, awesome i think i think that's incredibly interesting and it explains why when i look through your instagram feed i see pictures of you sitting in a dressing room looking like you traveled through time yes yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, i was like oh okay he's abraham lincoln today the next day he's some sort of some sort of persian king prince (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. it's
1: it's very very We're, we're doing we do uh at the moment, we yeah, we do sort of eight or nine shows um, per season and the, the season's like, is a year. So, um, uh, yeah, so whenever I, you know, one day I'll go to, so we'll be doing three shows at once. So I'll, I'll go into the theatre and I'll have a show set in the 19th century. Mm. And then the next day I'll go in and I'm doing a show set in the 17th century, you know, 17th century Italy. Then the next day I'll go in and it's set in 1950s Birmingham, yeah um you know it's like every day it's it's different do you do any uh,
0: futuristic sci-fi operas
1: sci-fi operas uh no i i mean as of yet i haven't gone beyond the present moment you know i've got everything up to there um but no no sci-fi okay i
0: i see i well maybe speak to your director i think that might be a great idea
1: yeah yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome okay so uh, so with your YouTube channel, mm. uh, on a on a, so I want I want to speak specifically to the Streets of London series because I think it's such a, a fantastic example of overcoming a lot of challenges at once to pull off yeah. an idea that is something I don't know I I don't it's hard to come come about accomplishing an idea like Streets of London without it being a, a very purely passion project. Because you're you're literally just walking onto the streets and saying I'm going to find three people to talk with today, and then I'm going to edit it together into something that is you know very, and what you do is very raw and sort of um, sort of open ended, and it's different than a lot of what I see on YouTube, and that's that's one thing that I find so interesting about it. But uh, so I love this series. What was what was the vision for starting this series?
1: Um, I actually remember the first interview I did. Um, it was, it was the guy with a bow tie in Streets of London in the, in episode one.
0: Sounds like a fitting uh, start.
1: Yeah. 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 He, he had a bow tie. He, he used to, um, he, Yeah. Well, so he was, he made clothes, he designed clothes. Well, let me go back a little bit actually, because that's not really answering your question. Uh, What was, what sort of prompted me to do it? I think what it, it, I don't even know why I started it really. I like talking to, I like the challenge of talking to strangers and finding out their story. I I find it fascinating how, how, you know, People are walking down the same street, and they are having a completely different experience mm. from one another. And in but in that moment, everyone is just walking on the same street, doing exactly the same thing, and nothing is particularly wrong with their lives. But we're all carrying round round with us baggage, you know, memories of you know, oh, I need to be thinking about this, or this is happening in my life, or. This has happened to me, or I'm feeling great today, or whatever. But good and bad baggage, and um, I yeah. So I just kind of found it fascinating that uh, people could be doing exactly the same thing but having a totally different experience. Mm. Um, but another thing is that I, um, you know, I'm interested in people's stories. I like to to hear what people talk about. But it was also a challenge for me um, when I started this series to see if i could i think what i aim to do with streets of london is is find the common ground between everyone Mm. and uh, and i had a hunch that if i start talking to people that are very different from each other that there would be common themes running between people and that is exactly what i found Uh, so i asked kind of very similar questions to each person and and I, i let the interaction go um naturally the direction it's going to go um but generally i get i get i think i hope that the series shows that people um you know are having very similar life experiences in a way yeah Uh, that kind of contradicts what i was saying before but but what i mean is that the kind of the motivation for people um is you know it, there's a common ground so yeah. so I, I've kind of gone to, um I feel like I've just contradicted myself there but but I don't think I have I, I think essentially um what I notice is that people people have are having very different types of days you know in that same street mm-hmm. but also there is there is common uh ground between everyone mm-hmm. well, and, it's, and, it's... and I think that's why people like the series as well
0: yeah well it's it's funny that as you're saying you're you're struggling with the contradiction in your head uh just before you said that i'm thinking what, one of the most interesting things about the project is that you have this natural divergence of opinions and thoughts that you'll see from people but you also have these natural intersections you know wh- yeah. when you ask people what makes them happy I, I feel like you you probably get uh you probably get similar answers such as you know having having family around like uh, the one i just uh, watched uh, i think it's your latest one 15 Mm-hmm. okay Something like that. Yeah. yeah um the guy i forget where he was from uh but he he was the guy that had moved to 11 different places and you were trying to trace him back to his origins of where he was born. oh yeah, yeah 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 um and uh and he had a stutter as well and so he was saying that you know having a good family around you and this is sort of a universal truth and it's and so you have this natural you have this natural uh breaking up of of people right like some of the people yeah. that you talk to are visually incredibly different and they're going to have different ways of looking at the world but there's also these very natural intersections that we all have as humans and yeah. so I don't think it's a contradicting thought I think it's a complimenting thought if anything mm.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah no I, I I um yeah I think that's that, that that's kind of at the heart of it really I, I guess it's one of those things that I um Uh, I never I didn't really have a big idea a big plan or I still don't really have a big vision for it really it's 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 essentially I like talking to people I like the challenge of um, uh, finding out as quickly as possible getting getting to the heart of what makes people tick you know what 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 motivates them Uh, you know are they are they happy are they not happy um essentially yeah those fundamental things and um and it's it's a liberating thing really in a way for for me and maybe people watching but also sometimes i think or often for the people that i interview and i've had people say to me as well that um it was kind of therapeutic a kind of therapeutic experience um and I, i'm by no means a therapist uh and i don't aim to fix anyone's problems uh with my with my series uh in any way uh but for people sometimes you i we do, we never really get the chance to ex- talk about ourselves um really i think in, in our day-to-day lives generally so sometimes those things just mull over in our head and those ideas never really get formed. And then we just kind of, um, yeah. So having a chance to um, to actually put into words how you feel about this and how you feel about that, I think people find it quite kind of cathartic.
0: Mm.
1: And, and, and I think that's why I get quite, quite honest responses from people.
0: Yeah, well, and I, I'm sure they appreciate that you ask questions mm. that warrant deep responses. I think that our culture tends to naturally fall into this uh, sort of groove of having surface level conversations and you're right people don't get Mm. to sort through the things in their head that maybe they're working through or the things that that maybe they don't ask themselves enough what makes me happy maybe they they haven't had somebody to listen to them for the last six months about something that's going on in their lives maybe they feel lonely and you made their day a little bit better and i think that's it's real and it's interesting conversations are interesting because people don't always uh what's the word they don't always reveal their feelings and intentions about the conversation to you it's sort of this hopeful experience you kind of hope that you're doing something good for the other person and and that you're having an exchange that you will feel good about later but you you don't really know until after and that's why i think it's important to be very purpose sort of focused in your conversations with other people, because, uh, you, you may never know what you, what smiling at them meant to them. Right. Yeah. I think it's a really, it's a really special thing. And all the, I think the the bigger changes that we can make in life are made up of all of these little baby changes. Mm. Um, and so I, I think, also. Oh, sorry. No, go go ahead. I don't think I had well, anything I else just... interesting to say.
1: I was just going to say that i think that also there's a misconception generally within um photography and street photography and but also just general life that um people are going to be hostile uh mm. if you if you talk to them in the street or if you you know if you if you go if you certainly if you start asking personal questions people are going to dislike that and um, I think a lot of people use that uh, as an excuse to avoid interacting with people generally and uh, and also London has, um, I think British people have a reputation and Londoners in particular have a reputation for being very closed off and unwilling to, to talk and um, I, I don't really, um, I don't really agree with that. To be, to be honest, I, I don't think it's any that different really to anywhere else. Um, people, what I found doing this series where I talk to random people in the street is that people are very happy to talk, and and if they're not, it, you know, I, you know, for every person I interview, uh, I've had. Uh, or for every ten people I interview, I have like two or three people saying no when I try when I ask if they can do an interview. I've never had anyone react in a hostile way to me. They've all just said no, sorry, or sorry, I haven't got the time, or I'm waiting for a friend, or whatever. Mm. So um, n- no one is uh, offended. There's nothing offensive about me asking them opinions. But also, if, if I uh, if I'm talking to someone and I go down an avenue of conversation that that they're not happy with. Um, sometimes I can feel them kind of closing down a little bit and they kind of put the barrier up and uh, And you can change direction and and they'll be happy. You can tell they're kind of happier again. Or sometimes the interaction kind of dies at that point because they've just put the barrier up. Um, but it, it that that's a fairly organic sort of um, dynamic in a conversation, it's nothing unusual. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that uh, people are very receptive and open to talking, and um, and so I think there's a real misconception that it, it, somehow that people are going to be hostile or find it invasive if I ask them personal questions.
0: Mm. It's it's funny that you say that <clears throat> the general the general thought tends to be that people will be more hostile. You always see these comments on any given street photography YouTube video, and particularly ones where interactions go sort of southward, and you have the occasional person who is frustrated because you're a candid street photographer you took a photo and they're like where's your permit and they they get you know uh the comments below tend to be something along the lines of if you came to my city you would get punched in the face if that happened and i've never i haven't been all around the world but i've never found that city where you get punched in the face (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. maybe been... it's that person that would punch you in the face right 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 exactly
0: <laughs> exactly uh, or maybe it's just a 12 year old in their basement and they have, they have yeah uh, but uh so i've i've been to the the most photographically challenging place i've been to is haiti right okay and uh language barrier and it's it's a beautiful place and you really want to take f- photos of the people in the la- oh. in the yeah, you know juxtapose them beautifully against the landscape that's behind them and that's where i've had the most most trouble one because i just i i barely knew how to ask them if i could take their photo and two mm-hmm. uh i think that you know i i look tremendously different and they and you know sometimes there can be a negative perception of people who are coming across the pond to take photos, of the, like where is this photo going to end up, especially after the earthquake and this sort of thing. But even then, people were incredibly welcoming. We made a short film about a guy who was um, – he was a tailor. And he mm. had a, he had a – I think it was a tailor. He had a sewing machine on his front porch. And yeah. he, I, I, I believe this was how he made money. And he, he uh, lost a bunch of his friends in the earthquake, made a short film about him, and he was incredibly kind. Just this random guy mm. we bumped into. And so even if, even if you have some trouble in certain situations, that doesn't mean that I think most people are willing to have a conversation if they feel like they can trust you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the way I see it, I think there are so many, I tend to just not think, try try not to think about just, I, I as a general life, life hack here, this is for your viewers. Don't think too much. Yes. Okay. So I, I you know, I try and avoid analyzing situations. I you know, in the past, you know, when I was growing up I was always um I was hyper analytical of everything and, you know, always mulling over things in my head and and um you know, it doesn't get you anywhere. So so um um I guess actually in a funny way, that's kind of also another thing I find interesting in talking to people because because people are mullo- get stuck in life on very some very small things that yeah. to an outside person might seem quite insignificant. Yeah. So when, when you watch Streets of London, you might think someone, someone who, if you're watching someone that's struggling with something that you wouldn't worry about, you might look at that and think, well, if only I could help them see that that's not important. Absolutely. And then maybe it helps you think about your own life and what, Things you take too seriously, so um, um, yeah. So uh, I, I tend to—I've um, just sidetracked myself yeah I can't remember what I was saying. Oh, you're but, good. I do um, it all the
0: time. You have to embrace the sidetrack and the awkwardness. It's okay. Yeah, we'll get to well, this. well.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I, I think I try. I try not to think about things too much, um, and um, and just kind of—I can't remember what I was saying. But basically, I, j- just go for it you know it like people uh if you're worried about people being hostile oh yeah this is what i was going to say so we found it the the way i've found it the way i see it basically is that uh you can come up with all kinds of excuses as a photographer or whatever for um why you shouldn't talk to this person here you shouldn't take this person's photo or you can't take photos in this country or whatever but essentially it's, it's a human interaction between two people. And, um, it's so, you know, if I'm talking to someone in the street, I'm not relying on the crutch of, of like, oh, I'm a street, whatever videographer or photographer, or I'm a YouTuber or whatever. I'm not relying on that to give me confidence, um, or to kind of back anything up. Um, because I, I feel like that's creating a barrier between you and the person essentially i'm having an interaction with with someone so it, ha- it, ha- it, it, it there's nothing there's nothing else to be explained there if i can make that person feel at ease it, it, in a normal way that i would talking to a friend or anyone else then we're going to have a good interaction if that person's going to be hostile for whatever reason it's not necess- i don't think it's really going to be because i'm taking their photo or because uh or sorry because i'm asking their permission for to talk or to take a photo they're going to be hostile because they don't want to talk to a stranger in the street just on a human interaction level maybe just on that day or in general so Mm -hmm. so um I I tend to not not think think about these things too much not worry that um uh the moralistic side or am I doing something that's that's going to piss people off or am I doing something that's kind of invasive you know if they're happy they're happy if they're not i leave it there are so many other people around it doesn't really matter
0: mm-hmm. uh, well so i'm a i'm a rather heady analytical type of person as well and i've been on my own journey of doing this with especially with conversations because i can i can overthink a conversation in three seconds uh whether i'm it's a stranger on the street or whether it's you or whether it's my wife or anybody and I have learned, it's this weird set of paradoxes that happens in your brain when you're dealing with these situations because you're, you're dealing with like the conversation might actually take a turn that's a little bit uncomfortable. That does happen. Or maybe you won't communicate it, a thing as well as you would like to communicate a thing. And so the, the art is learning how to, how to deal with that lack of sureness and being okay with that. And also, knowing that a lot of times thinking is the enemy of experience, that yeah. you need to allow yourself to face those uncomfortable challenges. That those are actually really good things for you. And you'll come out on the other side feeling a lot better than if you would have sort of stayed in your bubble and kept things yeah. safe for you. Uh, it, and so it's, it's, it's sort of this is trying to use your brain to work through the articulate these problems to yourself and work through them, but also not go too far down the rabbit hole that you're that you, you freeze yourself. You can't, you can't move forward. And that's a tough, that's a very tough thing. Uh, but another thing that I think is wonderful about what you're doing is that people, when they have problems, they become these huge, monsters in your head a lot of times yeah and i love how philosophical we're going right now this is fantastic is... um uh, with you it's this huge uh cloud of of scariness in your head and what talking about something does what language does is helps you get it out of your head and turn it into like a singularity in front of you you can look at it and go oh that's what that was right yeah. and you can and and so when you taught when you talk to these people and you say, "Hey, what's a struggle that you have?" Right, and they share that struggle. Maybe they've never spoken about that before, but talking about that has helped them figure out a way to to articulate it not only to you but to themselves. And it yeah. came out of their mouth, and they realized, "Oh, that wasn't that wasn't as scary as I thought it would be." For one, mm-hmm. to talk about it, but two, to face it. Yeah, and, uh, that's that's one of the you know one of the wonderful things about deep conversations. Why I think they're so important. I was curious yeah. also. Uh, when you're, when you leave the house to go, you know, I'm I'm going to do a streets of London today. What does that process look like for you from, from leaving to, to going to the city, to walking up to a person? Who do you approach? What makes you want to approach them? This and that.
1: Well, I, um, it's, it's changed a bit recently now that I don't live actually in London. Um, oh, my dog's just walked in. Hello um Hopefully. now that i don't actually live in london um i have to plan it a little bit more uh so um you know i have to plan my gaps in my week where i'm gonna be in town so because i work basically just above trafalgar square in central london hmm. um i i will have two hours off let's say in a day or three hours at some point or maybe even 45 minutes and i can just leave the building and i'm in central london i have my camera I can shoot one interview. I can shoot two uh, if I've got a few hours. I, you know, I could shoot a whole episode of Streets of London. And um, so I just, I just, I always bring my camera around. Really,
0: how long does um, it normally take you
1: to film a whole episode? To f-
0: yeah, to film an entire one. Uh, it depends, really.
1: I mean, the I think the last one possibly I filmed in one go. So mm-hmm. I filmed maybe two hours. Okay. Uh it depends on who who I how many people I interview really but what I usually try to keep it to around three people um but sometimes maybe I'll interview three people and I, and and I don't think that there's an there's there'll be good interviews but I don't feel like there's a strong enough sort of counterpoint with each other to make an episode together. Mm. Um so maybe I will just put that in a folder on my computer. Until I've added some more interviews, and then maybe I'll just put those chunks together. So when you see a Streets of London episode, quite often it's chunks, and the, the little snippets between interviews are shot over a you know a month or whatever. Mm. Just when I've got gaps, when I see interesting things, I'll I'll capture it, mm-hmm. and, like little uh, b- and then, little B
0: roll in between the conversations.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. and um, and I'll will ca- capture those moments and an odd random odd things around town and mm-hmm. some of them never leave the or some of them end up on the cutting room floor mm-hmm. but those bits will eventually will make their way into an episode so sometimes sometimes answer your question sometimes it's done in a day sometimes it's done over you know a month or whatever and actually there have been times when i've switched camera gear um in between and you can see the join because there'll be an episode with some canon stuff and then episode with some other stuff and, <laughs> and all different microphones it took me a while at the beginning of the series to work out the right way to mic to mic it basically yeah um wow. and uh, and the, the way i have now is still not perfect but
0: i just picture you shifting from like a webcam to a full frame camera and then like cutting between them as you do where you have the, the conversations interspersed with one another <laughs> you oh, yeah, yeah. have this horrible okay. pixelated mess at, oh as they call it on the internet the potato camera and then you have the, the, camera, yeah. the beautiful full frame a7 dynamic range yeah. awesomeness over here
1: <laughs> yeah well no I was I it was I, my camera I started with a point and shoot I started the series with a point and shoot um and then the audio was rubbish so um so I needed to plug in a microphone uh but until until i switched cameras i i had a zoom microphone so i would do this kind of back and forth thing like you see you know always on tv or whatever Mm -hmm. and um but then what was wrong with that i was getting loads of wind noise and cutting off my sentences and stuff like that when i'm asking questions it was just it was really awkward and uh so then i switched to a 70d with a with a a microphone on top uh and then i switched that to a um panasonic um 4k thing which is nice a nice small setup now mm-hmm. um nice. and with a microphone on top so yeah mm-hmm. that was my that that was the uh, technical side of things
0: very good so so when you're um approaching somebody what does yeah. that process look like for you what, what do you say to them to initiate the conversation
1: Uh, I just say um, I'm doing some street interviews. Do you mind if I ask you a a couple of questions? Straightforward. I like it. It's straightforward. I I mean, this is something I was actually talking with um, one of my friends about this the other day. Um, We were talking about doing street portraits. And um, I think uh, basically, I think many people, if they're struggling with talking to people, you know asking to take the photo or video or whatever they are overcomplicating things
0: absolutely and
1: and and that can come across as a bit shifty if someone if you if you go up to someone and say um hi sorry to stop you i'm i'm doing a project uh, at the moment uh, and you know i i have my camera here and i'm um, just wanted to capture scenes around london and um, talk to into that person's gonna have got bored and and maybe started to question what you're doing by the by the If it you know, feels the end canned
0: the... as well, right? If it feels yeah. like this prepared prepared uh, introduction to what you're doing, it feels exactly not I as mean, human. If, if
1: someone Yeah, if, if someone wants to talk, they're gonna talk to someone that doesn't that they're not. So you just wanna to get to the point. I'm doing some interviews, can I ask you a quick question? That's all they need um the only other thing sometimes i get is what why what, what's it for
0: that's what i was going to say a lot of I, the the good thing is when you do that sort of the burden is on them to ask whatever questions they feel like they need to ask to feel more comfortable with what you're doing so yeah. it makes sense it's fantastic
1: yeah i mean just keep it simple like it there's nothing um I, yeah i mean there's this whole school of street photography which is kind of where it's kind of i don't know sort of just seems like a little bit the intentions are a little bit shifty there like you're maybe you're going around the street and snapping candid scenes like put your camera right (laughs) put your camera right up in someone's face and capturing these these hopping out from behind
0: bushes uh, you have flashes. yeah and
1: i I don't i'm not a big fan in that i don't think it's it's very fair often on the on the subject and and I, uh, I hope that people can see through my work um, that I care about the people that I talk to. I care about the people that I photograph. I'm never, I'm never out there to um, ridicule anyone, um, or to, or even to really show up too many flaws in people or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, you're if, if I... a very
0: kind, diplomatic person. I think, which which helps you out in those situations.
1: Yeah well i'm glad it comes across that way i mean i i care I, I care about people and that's part of the reason why i i take the time to find out what they're interested in and what you know that's kind of why i'm i'm interested in their stories if i had a motive to to get amusing content out of people or to get to to make them upset or something you know to like find out things that really upset them then i wouldn't it would it would show in my work and there would be I think a separation between me and the subject um so yeah
0: I think, I, I think... can't remember
1: how I got into that
0: <laughs> no you're good you're good that was that was really good stuff I think a lot of the the balance with what the appeal of the challenge and the balance that you have to strike with something some art form where you're interacting with people and especially strangers on a daily basis is just calming the analytical part of your brain and allowing yourself to experience the organic, um, wonderful experiences that can come from interacting with another human being. It's like I feel like we're always looking for that sort of flow state of when it feels just right. The conversation feels great. You feel like the you know the video is doing what it needs to do. The camera is not catching on fire in the middle of it. And if you're taking photos, you you take a photo that you feel really good about, and you you had a wonderful interaction with that person or what have you, and it's like oftentimes your thoughts are the the key barrier to not achieving that state. Yeah. I think that's an important thing to reckon with.
1: Hmm. Analysis paralysis.
0: Yes. 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 Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So no, I I I agree. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm
0: um i think we all deal with on you know different levels i admire people though who 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 can really they can figure out how to compartmentalize that their brain and put put certain things over here when they don't need to be used and um, use the parts that allow them to fall into the experience you see this with great musicians for example yeah. They can sort of just and, and, and you know, I'm sure in, in your craft and uh, opera singing as well, you can sort of fall into this pocket of comfortability and this this intersection between uh competence and uh confidence. It's not too challenging that you have to think about it too much, but it's not too easy that it's or it's not too unengaging and boring. There's like this nice middle ground. Yeah. And, you know, hit this flow state and it's a really special thing. And I found that that the that, that my thoughts will get in the way of that because I'm trying so hard to make sure that I do the thing correctly that you actually end up making yourself more robotic and you don't achieve that next level of of, of uh, competence that you're that is available to you if you decide to to mm. do that
1: well I, I think there's a few points about that really w- one is that um uh you you, you one over i think people overthink things because um they're kind of worried about the outcome so uh so somehow by mulling over all of the options that they might feel like they're getting somewhere <laughs> uh, so 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 this Ooh. might manifest itself in video photography that you think well you know sometimes if you see someone you want to photograph in the street your thought process might be, oh, they're busy, you know, and then you're like, oh, maybe they're not busy. You know, you have this dialogue in your head, and then you're like, well, actually, they don't look very friendly, so I might get punched in the face. Yeah, he, lo- then, he
0: looked at me funny. I don't know if I want to talk to that guy. Yeah,
1: yeah, or, oh, I've missed, I've I've walked too far now, or I'm going too fast. Or That's a big one. Really, you know, all of these r- random things that might pop up into your head. But the, the the real solution to that is to just do it and to do it loads and loads of times. Um, you know, you can, you can listen to me just to say, you know, just saying, yeah, just do it. Mm. But, um, you know, or a friend to say, look, don't worry about it, just do it or whatever, you know, that will help. But actually I'm not giving anyone anything they don't have already so you know you have the ability to do that all you have to do is just notice that you something in your head saying don't do something and then you just do it anyway and eventually you you just regain power over that part of your head that's telling you to stop doing things um when when it comes to performing and and talking about flow and things like that uh, I i don't really think about it too much now but i used to in the past um because I, now I think these things just come naturally when you stop analyzing them too much. But, but, you know, for example, as a performer, you know, when I'm singing an opera, the music is happening. If I stop and think about things, I will get left behind in the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, and the action is happening. So if I suddenly standing in the wings, I'm about to go on and I, and I start worrying about something... I'm not going to get on stage in time. So, like, I practice every day, overriding the bit of my head that's set, that's telling me to do this or do that, mm. because I have no choice. You know, the stakes are too high. If I if I stop, um, I will get left behind. Mm. So, um, you know, that's a nice analogy for for dealing with any fear, really, and dealing with anything uncomfortable. that you know don't the more you think about it um i'm not going to come up with a lovely cute quote here (laughs) but but it would be kind of messy a messy quote but the more you know the the more if you think about things too much you're just going to get left behind so so just just uh notice that you're thinking about stuff like that Mm -hmm. or whatever the the voice in your head that's telling you to not do this or not do that or or saying you know it comes up everywhere it's like oh you the voice in your head that says oh my camera's not good enough Mm -hmm. to to like be taken seriously so i need to get a more expensive one you know Mm -hmm. just learn to hear that Mm -hmm. and just ignore it and just keep going Mm -hmm. go ahead well yeah and the anxiety that's associated with those thoughts like oh don't don't talk to that person don't get that photo and don't ask for the photo in the street you feel anxious mm. you know if you just do it anyway you'll still feel anxious like don't kid yourself you'll feel you'll feel anxious mm-hmm. but then maybe five times later you'll feel a bit less anxious and then when you've done 10 in interviews with people in the street you'll feel less anxious and then yeah. when you've done 100 you might feel no anxiety at all yeah so so it's like uh, you know just plow through, basically.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, that's Yeah, you use words like plow through and override, and those are fantastic words to explain the sort of process that you have to engage in to get through the, the anxiety on a daily basis. Uh, one of the things that has been extremely helpful to me is looking at the creative process or looking at the act of creating as instead of trying to pursue an idealistic version of the thing that you're trying to achieve look at it as experimenting and even in front yeah. of people right look at it as experimenting as and this allows your brain to go okay i'm gonna i'm gonna and obviously if you're you know you're on stage with you're with other people you can't start going into other keys and you know to <laughs> throw, uh, throw it, be surprised changing the time <laughs> signature yeah uh but yeah. but within your craft exper- exper- like being looking at it as if it's an experiment right i'm not a perfect person i'm trying to i'm trying to play in front of people and see how it goes and hopefully yeah, well, it, hopefully mean... it goes well and hopefully they take something from it but there's a there, there's a value to to the lack of perfection in art because it's a very it's it's a human way to approach it
1: yeah I and mean, this is something i've been thinking about a bit recently um because um, I actually, it's funny that we're talking about this really because um, I, I tend to try not to think about things too much, but I, I on the, on the side, I'm going to ruin have your a,
0: entire YouTube channel and,
1: Yeah, <laughs> on the side. I do, I do have an interest in, in uh, you know, I, I have a very strong interest really in, in, in things like this and confidence generally. Um, and and it's probably at the heart of why i've ended up doing the kind of videos and photos and things that i do because because i find those things interesting but um um god i'm really bad at um remembering what i was going to say what were you just saying again just right? okay no
0: i was i was saying that there's value between uh experimenting instead of pursuing oh, yeah. perfection
1: i've got it um so i uh, i think there's a there's a something i've noticed that um from my, my own experiences, and, and I'm talking to other people as well. I think I think people share this experience. That I don't know whether it's a modern thing because people get known for one thing online. You know that y- y- people like to compartmentalize someone as like, oh, they're a blogger, they're a blogger, they're a mm. photographer, whatever. Um, sorry, my hands are probably a bit distracting there. No, you're um, good. i,
0: like, I I'm, I'm a you can ask my wife. I'm a very hand. Oriented talking human being it helps me yeah. figure out <laughs> how to say things
1: on the camera though, that's the thing. yeah
0: for anybody who's listening we're, <laughs> we're doing aerobics yeah. with our hands right now it's very exciting so so yeah so I think people tend to have a feeling and, and
1: i I felt like this in the past as well that you, you, you try, you're searching around to find the one thing which is your thing you know you're searching around to find the creatively the the one thing whether it's like doing videos or doing a certain type of video or or doing a certain type of photography or using one lens or whatever it is people are searching for not everyone but this is a feeling that i i've had searching for one thing and then that could be my thing and i I can drop everything else all my other creative pursuits uh, and focus on that because that's what people like that's what i enjoy doing Mm that's my thing mm-hmm. and, and and also I,
0: that's a way to become you know masterful over the thing which has its value
1: it, it has its value it, it definitely has its value but but i i don't think it's a helpful way of thinking i think it's constricting really mm-hmm. and if i had been looking for that in the past or landed on something um then i might have um not ended up where i am now doing the things i want to do so i, I think creatively and you get stuck. I talked about this in a video about getting out of creative ruts um, recently. Um, You know, if you if you put yourself in a box and say, Well, I'm doing this, I'm this kind of creator or whatever, you get stuck and you burn out and you some point down the line, you start to question why you do things, which is something that we um, often ask, ask ourselves, I think, you know, why why am I doing this is the right thing or whatever. And then you then you kind of burn out and you get stuck really. So I think creatively it's very important to be open to changing and be open to to trying new things. Um, you know that's how I ended up doing Streets of London, for example, which has ended up being a quite successful series. It was just one day I thought, well, I'm walking around town making you know vlogs about mm-hmm. London, but why not? rather than me give my opinion on everything why, why not actually turn the camera around and talk to other people so it, it was out of me thinking well maybe these vlogs could maybe the kind of walking and talking vlogs I'm doing around town maybe I could somehow show something a bit more interesting and philosophical perhaps mm. um so, 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 you know, so then I've I kind of went in that direction and, uh, and I'm still changing things and, you know, some, sometimes things just are not interesting anymore. I drop them. Sometimes other things are, or I go through periods about periods of doing this or that. Mm-hmm. So I think, you yeah, it was a very roundabout way of saying, basically, I think creatively it's really important to remain supple
0: mm.
1: and open to, uh, you know, constantly ask yourself, you know, Actually, what am I interested in? What would be interesting to try? What would be interesting to do? And then just go and try that and see where that takes you. Mm-hmm. Don't compartment. Don't hold yourself back by saying, no, "No, I'm a street photographer, so I don't do this. I don't do weddings. I don't do whatever." You know, that's not helpful. you, you all you're doing is holding yourself back mm-hmm. because the more things creatively you do, the more. Um, skills you're going to have in your arsenal for when you decide to, you know, try something else.
0: Mm. And I, I can imagine that you would miss, because I'm this way, you would miss the things that the, the benefits that uh, music and opera brings to you. If you cut that out of your life and focus yeah, I solely mean, on this. If thing. I,
1: if I had, um, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I have a, a, a nice um, I mean, I'm doing quite well in in, in opera, for example. Mm-hmm. And it's something I don't really talk about on YouTube, but but I'm um, I'm in a good place there at the moment, and and that's come through a lot of hard work and um, dedication, um, uh, and uh, yeah, and it's my it's my full time job now, and and I I really love doing it. So, but if I had um, if I had put myself mentally in a box and said I am an opera singer. Hmm. Um, then which I may not so have tempting, ever. Which is so
0: tempting,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, it's easy to do. Like you know, it's very easy to do. And then you want to just put all your focus on one thing. If I'd done that, I may never have picked up my camera and and taken photos. And I may around the streets. And I may never have started making YouTube videos. And I may never have developed a whole other thing, which you know is now a huge part of my life and as you know as big as music is really so um i think that's an example really of um of that that philosophy i think Mm. you know that don't be afraid to don't put yourself in a box and don't be afraid to completely change direction and try something completely different Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i think that's a, a set of fantastic points a box of fantastic points if you will Uh, So I wanted to to talk very quickly about some of the other, because we've spent all the time on um, the streets of London, but you have other videos as well. And I'm I'm curious what the direction is you're currently going after uh, on a, I can never find the the proper word to explain what I'm trying to say when I do this on a 30,000 foot (laughs) level. Let's put it that way. uh, Of your channel. What are you, what are your goals? Where are you, what's the direction that you're trying to go at the moment?
1: Uh, well it kind of ties in with the last point really but I don't um I don't I don't have a big vision
0: mm.
1: for or, you know a big direction really for for my channel um I uh I just make videos about what I like to make videos videos you know on a day-to-day basis really mm. um you know if I don't feel like doing street interviews for a while I I won't um and then maybe I'll do a vlog about my life <laughs> you know i if i feel interested about showing something or you know if i feel interested in sharing a my viewpoint on something you know i'll do a will do a fixed camera video where i might talk about that and which i've done recently so um i don't have a big a big vision really um i guess the streets of london is a series that um i'm really interested in doing and i think there's a there's a universal appeal i also think that there's a timelessness to that format mm. and also that that kind of video will become more and more interesting in years to come. So if you looked at, if you looked at one of my streets of London videos from this year in 10 years, it Absolutely. will have new layers and new dimensions of, um, interest. I it's, think. it's
0: funny you say that I watched a video very recently about it was elderly people in the nineteen 19- was it twenties or thirties? I forget. It was just them talking about their current life. They were sitting yeah. in rocking chairs and talking, and it was absolutely fascinating. There was a video yeah. of a guy who was the last, uh, the last living person to see Abraham Lincoln be shot.
1: Wow, which is yeah.
0: insane, and he was on a show in the nineteen twenties, and I thought, holy crap, like cameras. Are amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, the fact yeah, yeah. that we can listen to this guy talk about his experience of one of the most historical events in, in modern history is amazing. You can learn yeah. so much from that, and so I think what it's hard to see this perspective because you're living right now. But yes, absolutely. In the mm. year three thousand, it's going to be really interesting to to uh, listen to someone talk about, or listen to someone talk to somebody in the year two thousand and eighteen when we still used our feet.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or even like the the street shops, the street lights. Uh, you know like everything is everything is always changing like any image if you take a still from any one of my streets of London videos but this applies to any photo out and about really every single thing about it will be different in some way Mm -hmm. like the street lights in the last 10 years in this country and probably probably where you are as well have switched from this kind of yellowy normal kind of bulbs I don't know what they were Mm
0: -hmm. like a sodium vapor uh, or something like that yeah
1: yeah, uh, to, yeah to yet to what to leds mm. which are kind of white and blue so like it seems like a very small thing but it's such a huge i, I think aesthetically it's such a huge shift yeah in, like how our lives look like my memories of walking around uh, streets in my own street when i, where I grew up and, and the light that came through my window when i was growing up are of this yellow color. And it seems, I never would have ever thought about it at the time that that would be different. But now it's like, everything's white and blue and that has a very different feel to it. Yeah, um, You know, that's one sort of tangential thing that I've, I've noticed, but I mean, everything down to the fashions and the cars and, um, and the kind of stuff that people are talking about, the kind of things they're worried about, um, or even maybe the way that they're interacting with me and the language they're using the colloquial terms they're using. Um and uh differences in sort of maybe yeah, you know, all kinds of things. Like mm-hmm. they all those things will become more and more interesting. So I think that's a series I'm definitely passionate to kind of keep mm-hmm. keep going. Um but um yeah, I can't remember how we got there, but
0: um that no, was good. It was good yeah. it was good uh it was a good wandering, I suppose. I I just watched a a documentary I've been trying to watch as consistently as humanly possible documentaries of different artists and specifically right now it's been street photographers and I will do my best a lot of times this has to be over washing dishes but I will do my best to sit down and write down notes about what I'm learning from the documentary because that's documentaries are my books essentially and so I um, watched one about uh, William Klein street photographer and and he did a lot of his work in the 50s and he would go into Harlem in New York Mm -hmm. and just, you know, white guy in Harlem. There's a juxtaposition there. And he would wander around and and take photos of the people there. And the the sort of wonderful hmm, timeliness, but also timelessness of his photos is amazing uh Mm. the stuff that he would create and the 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 types of people he would interact with and just getting this view back into what the 50s looked like and he he also had his uh, captions along with it so you could kind of learn what he felt from that experience and so it gains this this value over time it's like the photo is constantly changing its value and we don't think about that right now because we Mm. live right now but he didn't think about that then yeah you know now he's now he's uh now I'm, I'm not i'm not sure to be honest i'm not sure if he's still alive i need to check on this but uh but because he was when in the documentary he was an older man but his uh but now he has this completely different perspective on things because he's he's you know he has made his way up into the 2000s and everybody looks at him as one of the greatest street photographers of, of all time and his work is moving and people talk about it and it's interesting and not so much sort of the it's not so much for the sake of the popularity as it is the difference in the way that we interact with his photos um what 60 70 years later
1: yeah you know Well, in in that sense like when you create something it uh you, you it leaves your hands really and 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 people make of it what they want, uh, and that sounds like that sounds like a very obvious kind of thing. But, but uh, you know, you can meet like you see this in music, and uh, like the Beatles writing, you know, a throwaway lyric about something, and then it becomes the 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 beginning of a a of a, a hoax theory or something. Oh, you know, okay, last, yes. <laughs> you, know, you know, like people people will take things and they react to it in their own way. Mm-hmm. And it's almost secondary to what the original artist intended. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you think about, if you know, if, he, if he'd if he known maybe then that he would be considered as one of the greatest um, photographers of, what did you say, what, of, all, of all time? A street photographer yeah, of all time? Yeah, the greatest street
0: photographers of, well, since street photography became a thing when people could
1: yeah so if he'd known that out
0: of their truck and put it in their hands
1: (laughs) if he'd known that people were saying that then you know he may have taken different photos and he may have had a very different he might have felt too much pressure Mm, and good point you know whatever so it's sort of like again it's one of those things where um you know it's interesting when those things happen but it's kind of secondary to what to what the artist is doing in a way um uh, yeah yeah
0: so the last question that I wanted to ask you, because I think this is a good oh. point, is what do you hope somebody takes away from what you create, which is sort of in the vein of what we were just talking about? Um, uh,
1: well, I like to leave people in a better way than I found them. Okay, found <laughs> that's a good goal. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if you watch, if you come and watch one of my videos, whatever it is, um, I like to think that you've not had to worry about whatever you were worrying about before you sat down and pressed play. Mm. And and you've just, and maybe I've inspired the viewer to do something or maybe, or to try something, or maybe they've just enjoyed me, you know, in the streets of London, maybe just, they just enjoyed me interacting with someone. Um, you know, maybe that will give them the confidence to do the same kind of thing themselves um you know i think the the important thing is really just that people just have a nice time you know there's no i i don't think that um life has to be a struggle in any way um and uh so yeah so so essentially you know come and watch a video and and then just switch off and enjoy it really Mm. Because just generally, everyone needs to, needs to switch off in life, because then everything will be so much happier. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the more you think, the more problems you create for yourself.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Well, I always say uh, that my in my household, my dog is the happiest person in the room.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mind's just slept through this, completely oblivious to I, uh, the philosophical points. That seems like lofty, way more fun lofty, than philosophical philosophical what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> what That's did you
0: like, say, sir? I said that seems like way more fun than what we're up to. that's fantastic simple i like it okay well this is a good place to wrap up um thank you so much again pablo i really appreciate it Uh, i'll put your uh, links below and i would love to hear the thoughts of anybody who's watching and or listening to this go check him out um and everyone have a lovely day thank you so much for watching i hope we left you better than we found you yeah (laughs) 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 <laughs> hey bye.
1: All right bye. <laughs>